Hey guys, I'd like to welcome you to the second installment of the Coffee with the Commission podcast here for the Joey Snyder Memorial League. As you guys know, I dropped the first edition of this about six, seven weeks ago. Um, said I'd start doing them a little bit more frequently throughout the year, hopefully trying to do them bi-weekly at the least, weekly at the most. Um, it's been a while since I dropped one. A lot of that really has to do with just league participation. Um, I've got four leagues, guys, as you all know. just brought on a fifth one I opened up this week. Um, there's two of the leagues that are highly uh, active. These guys are active year-round, communicating on the message boards. I mean, we've made a lot of league changes, whether it be dues, league rules, things along those lines. Um, I've done about five podcasts for one of them, six for the other. As of, as of now, if you can tell my voice is a little raw right now, this is actually the third podcast of today that I've recorded. <laughs> so please, and again, guys, I've got a cough that's never gone away. I'm just dying over here because can't go to a doctor and get checked. But, um, Charles, stop. But I'll be honest with you. Um, I hope to do more podcasts with this league. For me to do that, it's going to take league participation. Um, not saying that there wasn't a lot of participation on the last podcast. I know about four or five people listened to it pretty quickly. Um, it kind of fizzled out after that. Just overall participation, guys. Um, you guys know I do a lot for these leagues. A lot of you guys enjoy some of the extracurricular stuff I do, whether it be the power rankings, setting up the Google Sheets. A um, few of you in here I've already introduced to the website I'm working on. I think just Eric and Snyder. I've actually got a website in the works right now that I've been working on for the past two weeks that's going to consolidate all these leagues, put all the information into one central spot so you can go there and get everything that you need. Um, that being said, guys, Things like these podcasts, um, even getting the trophies out. I know Eric was excited about having this monstrosity in his living room. Snyder's probably excited about having one in his house as well, the Blumpkin. But um, the trophies, the podcasts, a lot of this extracurricular stuff, guys, I'm only going to start doing if there's a lot of league participation. Um, I've purchased trophies for two of my leagues already. Just to give you a little context, I've spent over $600 purchasing the four trophies it takes for those two leagues which I don't mind. It's coming out of my own pocket. I pay for these leagues just like you guys do. I pay my dues. I'm just a traditional member setting up the website, setting up the Google Sheets, these podcasts. It, it's it's all, I do it for fun, guys. This is what I enjoy. That being said, I don't want to do it just out of vain, just to do it to hear myself speak. If it's not really getting a lot of traction, if there's not a lot of interest in the off season, then I'm just not going to continue doing it. It's nothing against anybody here. I'm not trying to tell everybody you have to be more invested than you are. It is a dynasty league. It never shuts down. But if you want to clock in when the season starts, clock out when the season's over, you know, more power to you. I can't really fault you for it. You guys pay your dues. It's entertainment for you. Whatever that entertainment means to you, that's what it means. Um, I will just say that it will dictate how much effort I put in on my end as the commission doing the extracurricular stuff in the off season and during the season. That being said, you know, I'd love to get trophies out in this league, but, you know, prime example, we had a, we had a Zoom session with uh, Eric Penny, one of the league's rule committee members, about some potential ideas of changing the rules. I wish it had happened earlier. I mean, obviously trying to change rules literally a couple of days before the draft um, is very hard and it's a tough task to overtake. Um, but, you know, there was a couple of people on the Zoom. I think we had four, maybe five people total at one point. Um, that being said, you know, there was a lot of things we discussed. I said, go ahead, put out some feelers to see how people would feel about certain items. You know, we could discuss about potential change. I think we had four people vote. Um, so I don't want to get on a soapbox. I don't want to go too far down that hole, but you know, for me to continue doing the podcast, continue with extracurricular stuff and the trophies and all, 
I need league-wide investment. Um, you know, it's not required of you, but for me to do that, I will require that of you. If that makes any sense. Um, without further ado, let's just kind of get to this podcast. Like I said, it's the third one of the day. <laughs> I got a cough going. My voice is real scratchy. I want to try to pump this out before I run out of steam. Um, this draft, this um, podcast is strictly going to be over the slow draft we're going right now, the 2020 rookie free agent slow draft. I'm only going to go over the first three rounds. There was a lot of action in the first three rounds. Um, that's usually where you see a lot of the talent in these kind of drafts go or in those first three rounds. So that's where I'm really going to focus. I'm going to do a owner by owner assessment, talk about some of the trades going on. The way I'll break it out, I'll tell you the pick, what I think of the pick personally, what I think if it's the best choice available for that team, the best option moving forward, or if they had better options. So that's that's one of the things I'll do with this. Again, guys, I am by no means a fantasy analyst. I don't get paid for this shit. I do this for fun. So it's just my opinion. I know a little bit about fantasy. Not a lot. I'm not the greatest, but I do a lot of research. So <laughs> without further ado, we'll go ahead and start out with Dougie Fresh, uh, Tremaine. <laughs> we'll talk about the trade in a second, but Tremaine actually had the first two picks of this draft thanks to a trade with me, um, with Dak. But um, I think he had a phenomenal start, to be honest with you. He starts out with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. We'll just go ahead and jump right in. Um, I'll, I'll start with the needs. Sorry. I, I put Tremaine's team, his needs are possibly running back, quarterback, and wide receiver depth. Um, I think he addresses it pretty quickly and uh, with a vengeance real uh, real fast. He starts out with that first pick in the first round, the 1.01. He goes Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't think you could have gone wrong here with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, Swift, Taylor, even Judy or Lamb. I think once Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went 32 to Kansas City, I think it was a sure bet that you had to go him number one overall. I mean, Mahomes is quoted saying he wanted <clears throat> and begged Andy Reid and the Kansas City front office to go out there and get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's a true three-down back. We saw what he did at the collegiate level. The guy can do everything. He can run. He can hit the edge. He can hit run between the tackles. Great legs, great vision. He can run routes. He's got great hands. He can pass block. He's a little undersized. Is the only knock against him, but he's very similar to uh, MJD. So I think this is a great pick here. I think he is a plug-and-play day one. I feel bad for Damian Williams, who should have won the Super Bowl MVP. He just got surpassed and basically made irrelevant at this point by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire slides in day one as a top 20 running back, potential top 15 with a peak high ceiling of top 10 in this offense. That's how much I believe in Kansas City's offense. Um, the next pick, the very next pick, thanks to the trade with you and I last year for Dak Prescott, um, you got my first round pick, which is the 1.02. You go DeAndre Swift. Love this combo here. I mean, all I can say is, wow. You start out a draft in a dynasty league with Clyde edwards Taylor and DeAndre Swift. You're set. I mean, your one need really was running back, in my opinion. I think you fill that void here now. Um, Swift would have liked to have seen a better landing spot than Detroit for Swift. I mean, they still have carry on out there, but Swift is a Georgia boy. Matt Stafford's a Georgia boy. I think Stafford's going to push real hard to have Swift on the field early and often. I think Swift is a great fit for this team. I think he gets about a 60, 40 timeshare to begin with 70, 30, and then eases up to about 80, 20 when all said and done. I think they actually trade carry on Johnson. I had to bet, but, um, love Swift in college. <laughs> we all got to see him uh, play a lot here in the Southeast especially with a lot of us being Georgia fans. 
great speed. He has an uncanny ability to go top speed, cut, stutter step, top speed again. Great in the open field. He does like to take on contact sometimes when he doesn't need to, which is kind of a scary uh, scenario for the pro level. But I really do like the pick here. I think it was phenomenal. You couldn't have gone wrong with Jonathan Taylor, CeeDee Lamb, or Judy here as well, but I think you went the best bet with Swift. Swift has gone in the top two in every draft so far this year that I've done. Your next pick was the 3.01 since you traded the second rounder back to me in the Julio Jones trade. Um, 301, I think it, I mean, it's kind of a, you had to at this point. I, you, you definitely need quarterback help out there to buy, um, for the future, to be honest with you. When you see guys like Tua and Burrow already off the board, you needed somebody to pick up and back up Matt Ryan in the future. Um, you go Herbert here. I think Herbert's got a great landing spot of the three quarterbacks, Burrow, Tua, and Herbert, the big three. He lands at the best spot for weapons day one. Um, LA surrounds him with immediate weapons at every position. You got Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, phenomenal weapons out the gate. I'm love the kid's physique. I mean, he's a giant hunking quarterback that NFL GMs and coaches love. Problem is he does have some accuracy issues when he's under pressure. If you go back and watch any of his big games or whenever it's in high leverage situations, he can be a little erratic, which is a little nerve wracking. It's kind of Bross Ockweiler-esque if you ask me. Um, or Ryan Mallett, but I really do think he, if he can progress out there, if Tyrod Taylor can take the helm to start with, they can work on him with that accuracy and how to take pressure, he could be a steal of this draft. Love the pick there. Can't go fault you on anything. <clears throat> Picking out of the second slot is yours truly, the commish. I put my biggest needs were running back and tight end depth. Um, obviously, I addressed the tight end depth variously throughout the draft for uh, certain ways, but um, obviously, I uh, traded my 1.02 pick for Dak Prescott, Prescott last year. Looking at the trade, would I like to have Swift on my team? Yes. Do I like having the number three quarterback on my team with all those weapons? Absolutely. Love that pick trade for me. I'd do it again tomorrow. I still ended up with four picks in the first three rounds um, through trades, so still made out pretty well. My first actual pick was the fifth pick of the first round, 1.05. I go a guy I love, J.K. Dobbins. I think Dobbins landed in a great spot for his skill set. I mean, there's still Mark Ingram out there in Baltimore. I think Ingram's got about a year left. They say he's 30, 31, something like that age. I think the guy's 45 years old. I feel like he's been playing in the NFL since I was in high school. Um, I feel like he rotted on that roster in New Orleans for a long time before they let him really touch the ball much. Um, they are going young out there. If you look at Baltimore's team, they went a lot of youth and speed. I think Dobbins slides right into this for them. I think they could have a two-headed monster out there, eerily similar to what New Orleans did the final year um, Ingram was in New Orleans. Dobbins was a 2,000-yard rusher at Ohio State. Love the kid's skill set. Arguably the number three running back talent-wise in this draft. Going to one of the best offenses with young talent around him. I plan on sitting this kid on my taxi squad, letting him rest the year, and bringing him out. I think he can be a RB1 as early as 2021, I think he has top five potential in the NFL. There was no other option for me here. I thought about stacking C.D. Lamb with Dak, potentially thought about Cam Akers. i really high on Jefferson and Rager, which I'll talk about later. But for me, it was a surefire. If he was here at this slot, I was taking Dobbins. You can ask Tripp. We talked about it when we were talking about trading back for it. But um, – <laughs> I kind of threw everybody for a loop in the second round. I 
some people call me crazy, but when I traded Julio Jones for um, DJ Moore and a second round pick, I knew it was the 2.01. I had this as my, this was my target and mindset the whole time. I was going Joe Burrow. I didn't know if he'd fall to me. I really thought he had gone number 12 in the first round award as a luxury pick. Really glad he fell. Once he fell, it was a no brainer for me. Um, Joe Burrow, obviously I don't need the quarterback help. I have Dak and Aaron Rodgers slide him into my taxi slot along with um, (coughs) Dobbins. Burrow, I think, is a franchise quarterback. Um, Obviously, he only had one season of true high-end production at the NFL level. I mean, at the college level, that final year in LSU. But I'll be honest with you guys. If you look at the teams he played last year and what he did with them, he played against the number three defense in Georgia. Tore us apart. The number six defense in Clemson tore him apart. He played against seven top 38 or top 40 defenses at the college level and decimated all of them. Auburn was the only team that gave him a headache. He still threw for 300 yards and a touchdown. Kid had some impressive numbers. Some sales, uh, the offensive coordinator out there, <clears throat> whatever. I think it was Burrow. For me, <laughs> I really wanted uh, Keyshawn Vaughn to fall to me at the <clears> – <throat> hold on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I too apologize. I had a real bad coughing fit just now. These allergies are really destroying me. Um, but I was hoping Keyshawn Vaughn was going to fall to me at 1.4. I'm real big on Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm real high on him. Tripp knew it, I think, and um, obviously knew I was going to take him. But um, we'll talk about him when he gets the Tripp's turn. But here, if it wasn't Vaughn, I was going two the whole time. Some people call me crazy going back-to-back rookie wide receiver, or, uh, quarterbacks in the second round, especially when I got two. I wanted a monopoly on this position. I think both these quarterbacks have top 10 potential in their future. If Tua can stay healthy, if Burrow can progress and actually make something in that offense. I love the future of these two guys. Tua might actually force me to keep Dobbins in my active lineup and put him on the taxi squad with Burrow. Not sure yet, but I really do love him. I wish Tua had a better offensive line out there. They obviously gave him a lot of weapons. Miami did a great job in this draft. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays next year. I don't think he even sees the field once this year. I think they let him rest behind Fitzpatrick. So again, huge reach. I could have gone guy like, uh, AJ Dillon, who I'm, I'm big on. Um, Chenault was an option here for me. And so was Pittman. Like I said, guys, I was hoping Keyshawn Vaughn would fall when he didn't to was easy. My pick, uh, my next pick, I traded back up into the third round. I wasn't supposed to pick again until the fifth round traded Tannehill. And I think my sixth round second pick to Snyder for a um, for Johnny Smith tight end. I'm really, really big on and the pick in the third round three dot six here. It was kind of a dark horse pick. I was talking to Tripp as I actually made the pick. I think Boston Scott slides into that Jordan Howard role. I love Miles uh, Sanders out there in Philly. I think he's a phenomenal back. I thought he was the second best running back last year. Problem is, I don't see him being able to carry a full load at all times. I think Boston Scott easily slides into, you know, close to a thousand yards combined between receiving and catching realistically, probably more 700, 800, but I'm hoping for a thousand. I really do think he slides into that Jordan Howard role. I think he's Jordan Howard, but a little bit better. Um, So for me, it's a great pick here. If it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it does hit, I have a flex running back instantly. I love that. 
Um, here I could have, the other pick I was going for actually went right after me. He's another guy I think falls in the mold of Boston Scott. Love the guy's potential. We'll talk about it when it gets to Eric, but it was Raquel Armstead. I was also thinking about taking Van Jefferson, which I actually tried to trade back up with Kelvin for his pick in the third round. You can ask him and take Jefferson, which he took at that pick. <clears throat> um, Brian Edwards was also on my board. If Jordan, if uh, Jalen Hurts had fallen one more pick, people would have really, really called me crazy, but I'd taken all three widers or all three quarterbacks. I'd have had Jalen Hurts on my team as well. Um, Cole Komet was the outside chance here. Once I made the trade to get Johnny Smith, looked at my tight ends. I got four tight ends, youthful, you know, a lot of high end potential. That had just been overkill, didn't need Komet. So decided I'd go Boston Scott. Next, I'm going to talk about Eric. <clears throat> Eric, like myself, is a trading machine. So we're just going to start out with his trades first. So Eric started with the 1.03 pick, third pick in the first round. He trades with the first trade of the draft. He trades with Trip. Um, the trade sends his first pick, um, the third pick in the first round, his third pick in the third round to Trip. Trip sends him his seventh pick and eighth pick in the first round, as well as the seventh pick in the third round. Fairly good trade. I thought it was, uh, initially I was taking a long walk with my wife when this trade happened. So I wasn't able to actually see what it was. Um, just saw it was pretty good value. When I got back to the computer and looked at it, it's a great pick. I'm mean, great trade. I think both people really made out well in this trade. <laughs> I thought it was a lot of high, a lot of capital to begin with for the trade, but then to see how it plays out in the future, which I'll talk about later. Um, it was a great trade, really good trade for both teams. Um, but, you know, Eric wasn't done there. Eric also made a second trade on the day. Um, this one came later. This one was a blockbuster. Um, this trade, he sends Garden, Gardner Minshew, you know, the secret garden, the eighth pick in the first round, the second pick in the second round, and the third pick in the second round. A lot of draft capital. That's a lot of pieces. That is, what, 13 out of the top 13, or uh, three out of the top 13 picks plus Gardner Minshew. Um, but he gets Lamar Jackson the second best player in fantasy football last year, Lamar fucking Jackson. Phenomenal pick, especially for a team that's hurting at quarterback. Quarterback was Eric's only real need. He just had some real bad down year last year. This is huge for him. Instantly fixes his problem, changes how he drafts the rest of the draft. Um, he also got back the seventh pick in the second round and a second rounder in the 2021. I'd have thought it was a fair trade without the second, um, second round pick, that one in 2021. But it's a great trade across the board. At first, I gave Trip a lot of shit about it, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. It actually ended up playing, uh, panning out very well for both teams. <laughs> so we'll talk about Eric's team real quick now. So Eric, I put his team needs were obviously QB, running back depth, and tight end. Those were what I thought initially. Um, he addressed the QB position quickly. But at the seventh pick of the first round, 1.07, he goes a this is obviously a hometown pick for him. If you don't know, he is a Buffalo Bills fan. So he picked a running back, which I like a lot. It's very early for this guy, but I really like the player. I don't like the landing spot. They already have Singletary out there, which I know the team likes, but he goes Zach Moss. Um, I think Zach Moss is being um, slated to be the first and second down back. They're looking at Singletary, the third and goal line back. I think it's going to be a 50, 50 split up there in Buffalo. Now, uh, they just traded for Diggs, so you know they're going to try to air it out, which me makes me wonder how many touches a 50-50 split, a split, sorry, a 50-50 split is really going to be, um, and whether that's worth the seventh pick in the first round. Um, I know he's a homer. I gave him a little bit of hell for it. 
Can't really fault him. Love Zach Moss at college. Thought he was a great running back coming into this draft. Didn't like the landing spot. If he was on, you know, half these other teams, for sure, this is an amazing pick. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Here, I could have swore he was going to go Acres, maybe Rugs, Jefferson, Rager. He went a little off the beating path. I understand it. Not going to give him any shit about it. But um, then we'll we'll go ahead and talk about his second round pick um, at two dot oh seven, seventh pick of the second round. He goes Lavisca Chenault. Um, he's got a young core of wide receivers in that team already that I really love all of them. McLaurin, Debo, Hardman, Sutton. He's got a phenomenal youth package out there. Laviscus just adds to it. I think he was the best available on the board at this time. Possibly could have gone a running back if he wanted to reach maybe like a Dylan and Evans, a Gibson, something like that, because he needs a little bit of help there. <clears throat> but, and also to hedge his bet on Zach Moss, but Chenault was a great pick. Best available. Can't really fault him here. I really liked it. Um, in the third round with the uh, 3.07 pick, he goes to a player I just mentioned earlier. I was actually uh, eyeing. It's Ryquel Armstead. He has Fournette uh, on the team. So I'm sorry, not he doesn't have Fournette on the team. Sorry. Think of a whole different league. Sorry about that, guys. Um, you know, Ryquel Armstead is the heir apparent to, uh, to Fournette there in Jacksonville. There's a lot of talk right now going on that Fournette wants to get out of Jacksonville. And then he came back and said he's happy there. He's going to play his ass off. It's going to be the best year, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of talk about Jacksonville shopping Fournette. If that happens, Reichwell Armstead instantly becomes a top 20 running back. This was a phenomenal pick. This is who I was torn between Boston Scott and Armstead, and for that very reason. So I really do love this pick here. Um, if Armstead, if I'd have taken Armstead, I think it, the best bet would have been going a young tight end or a proven tight end. Um, you know, I was Cole Komet, Jay Sternberger, Adam Troutman, maybe even Blake Jarwin would have been a good pick here. It might have been a reach for some, but knowing the team needs, that would have been the best pick. I think he did a phenomenal job getting Armstead, did a great job on these trades. We'll actually talk about the full trade impact later after I go over trips. <laughs> so next we're going to move on to Sam's team. Sam, I put his needs being a wide receiver and running back. Sam made a couple trades with myself last year, basically changed our whole teams completely. Um, Sam had the fourth pick in the first round, 1.04. He went a phenomenal player, personally my favorite wide receiver of this group off this draft board in 2020. Um, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is a full package. Guy has speed. He can do the 50-50 ball. He can, um, sorry, I'm reading the update about Andy Dalton getting cut, which means, guess they won't be developing Joe and then the fire to the fire. Okay. Yeah. Andy Dalton just got cut by the Bengals. Don't be surprised if he's a Patriot this week. Um, sorry about that interruption. <laughs> but Jerry Judy, complete package. Like I said, speed, great agility, phenomenal footwork, phenomenal route tree. Um, can get separation with even the best cornerbacks. He played in the toughest defensive division. He can go get that 50-50 ball. There's a lot of talk about him arguably, be, arguably being the number one wide receiver to come out of Alabama. Do I think that's true? Hell, fuck no. But it's being talked about. Now, this is also a program that produced Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Amari Cooper. So think about that company. I think Jerry Judy is a phenomenal pick. Would have liked to have seen him go to a different team than Denver. Not a big fan of Locke personally, but I understand that. Sam gets a great steal here. If he does do well in Denver, Sam also has Drew Locke on his team. That's going to be a phenomenal package to send out there weekly. Um, here, I could have said he could have hedged his bet with the Gallup trade last year and gone C.D. Lamb instead of Judy. 
You could have gone Cam Akers to replace Gurley out in L.A., have Gurley and Akers on the team. You get two players for the position of one, really. Um, Or, you know, he could have gone something else like a a Jefferson Ruggs, Rager, but I think Judy was the best pick here. His his second-round pick he traded to me in the uh, Gurley deal last year, so he didn't have his original second-round pick. So Sam's next pick was the fourth pick of the third round. Here he went, Joshua Kelly. Um, Joshua Kelly, a lot of people don't know who he is. A lot of people know a lot about him. He was arguably a lot of um, experts' fifth running back off the board behind Taylor, Swift, Edwards, and Dobbins. A lot of them had him before Akers. Sometimes they had him before Dobbins. Um, the kid's a good, good running back. He's six foot one, 226, can run a 449, um, 40. He's not polished yet. Um, still got a little bit of work to go, but there is opportunity out there in LA. If Jackson doesn't see the field, I actually think, if I'm not mistaken, I should have done some little research in this, but if I'm not mistaken, I think Sam also has Justice Jackson. Let's see. Da, 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 do you have Jackson? Give me two seconds, guys. I hate to have dead air like this, but I do apologize. Bum, 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 bum. Okay. Um, just worry yet, Jackson. I may have Jackson on my team for all I know. But <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I do like uh, Kelly's opportunity out there in L.A. Eckler got a good deal, but Eckler cannot be a three down back for the full season. He lucked out with Gordon coming in, taking that workload in the second half. I do think Kelly has the opportunity to be that cowbell out there, that first, second down guy. If he shows himself and not, it'll be Jackson. Um, great, great picks by Sam. Made the best of what he had. Only had two picks. Next, we'll move on to Lawrence, um, A-Town Trotters. I put needs tight end, wide receiver youth, and bench youth. Lawrence has a lot of aging players on that team. A lot of good players, but aging players, so youth is really needed. So making the best of his picks is going to be key for him. Um, he didn't have a first-round pick. He traded that to me in the Sammy Watkins trade at the end of the year. Lawrence was making a push for the playoffs. Watkins and uh, Geronimo Allison were in that trade. Um, he also traded his second-round pick, his 2.5, to Derek for the Cole Beasley trade. Um, so Lawrence's first pick was actually in the third round, um, which for a team that needs a lot of youth might have been troublesome. His uh, In the third round, the second pick at 3.02, he goes Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, me personally, I thought it was a reach here. I understand it, though. I do think OBJ has potential, better than a 50-50 shot of being out of Cleveland as early as this year via trade. So I do think if that happens, that Peoples-Jones slides into that wide receiver one slot, and I think they move um, move fast to make that happen. I don't think Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver one. I think he stays in that two slot. So I think it's a great pick if OBJ moves. If not, it might have been a huge reach. There was guys like Van Jefferson, Hamler, Edwards, and even Jordan Love out there for a team that possibly could use a little quarterback depth. Um, they were all available. So – but I still like the player. really think he's got potential. Um, his second pick in the third round, he had a pick three picks later at 3.05. He goes with Jalen Hurts. Um, honestly, I, I mentioned it earlier. You know, I wanted Hurts to fall to me just so I could have all three <coughs> of those quarterbacks. But Jalen Hurts is a good pick here. I think Jalen Hurts, I was very skeptical of it during the draft. I didn't understand it really well. But looking back at it, he falls into a great position in Philly. He's not that different. I mean, obviously, they're not the same quarterback, but his throwing ability is not different from Wentz. I think he's a little more mobile than Wentz. Um, He's got two good tight ends out there, a great running back. He's got a great young receiver. Um, They get uh, um, Deshaun Jackson back healthily, hopefully, this year. They just went out and traded for um, Marquise Goodwin, 
they got a lot of speed on that team. He's going it, to, it reminds me a lot of those teams he had when he was playing in Bama. Um, so I think it was a good pick here. Great pick for Lawrence's team. I think it was kind of a luxury pick, though. Um, if Wentz goes down, he obviously he's you know a top fifteen quarterback. But you know he had Watson, he had Rivers. I think there was other holes that Lawrence could have picked here. Um, me personally, he has Fournette. I think he should have gone Rockwell Armstead, who went two picks later. <clears throat> Sorry about the cough, guys. I really do apologize. Or I thought he should have gone Cole Komet, which actually he goes later on in the draft, which is a good thing. Um, or Jay Sternberger. So. Not a bad, not a bad pick for only having two picks in the first three rounds and both of them being in the third round. Next, we'll move on to Snyder. Um, Snyder obviously needs quarterback help, some RB youth, um, obviously some tight end help out there. I mean, his running backs are good, don't get me wrong, but they've all got some huge question marks. Obviously, uh, David Johnson is he on the tail end of the career? Is he going to do anything in Houston? Mark Ingram. You know, he's getting older. He did phenomenal last year, but is this his last year in Baltimore? If he goes to a different team, is he going to be any good? You know, how much did those legs have left? And then Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay lost a lot, a lot of his value when Melvin Gordon signed there. Like he probably got hurt the most by the offseason of all these running backs moving positions. So he does have some question marks there. He needs a little bit of youth, some uh, <laughs> legs, I guess you would say. At the sixth pick of the first round, he goes C.D. Lamb. I love C.D. Lamb. I mean, this guy's a stud. Arguably, you know, the 1A, 1B of this draft. Can't go wrong. I mean, Kyler was pushing very hard for his team to draft him in the top 10 with all those wide receivers they already have, if that tells you anything about this kid. Now, C.D. Lamb lands in the best offense of any of these wide receivers. I mean, you land an offense with Ezekiel Elliott, great offensive line, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Problem is, how many targets are there to go around? I do think CeeDee Lamb slides into that number two position and uh, surpasses Gallup. It's going to be great to see him in that offense. It's just whether or not there's going to be enough target share for him to be an impact player at this position. Arguably the number one wide receiver off the board. Love this player. He was the best available at this time. The only other pick I could have seen Jeff taking was Cam Akers, and that's a small maybe. Um, In the second round at the pick 2.6, he goes, T. Higgins. I love T. Higgins. T. Higgins, I watched him a lot in Clemson. Half my family's Clemson fans. Saw this kid play. Phenomenal talent. Clemson, we all know, produces some phenomenal wide receivers once they hit the pro level. This kid is no different. They drafted him to be the heir apparent to A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green's gone. Now finding out that Dalton just got cut, I won't be surprised they trade A.J. Green to whatever team Dalton lands with, which in my opinion is the Patriots in a week. Which means... T. Higgins will be geared up to be the number one. Tyler Boyd's out there. Some people argue he's the number one. Tyler Boyd is just like Landry to me. He's just like um, Galladay to me. They're, they have number one potential, but they're more suited to be our, our wide receiver twos. <clears throat> so I think Higgins is drafted to be used early and often. Um, Burrow saw him in the national title game. He knows the talent of this team um, that they're facing in Clemson. He knows that this was the most talented player on that offense. So I think he's going to use Higgins quite often. Um, the only other picks I could have seen here was LaViscus Chenault and maybe A.J. Dillon on a stretch. Um, he traded his uh, – Snyder traded his third-round pick. It was a 3.6 to me, as mentioned previously, in the Tannehill and Johnny Smith trade. So those were the only two picks that he had in the first three rounds. Great great job, though. Next, we have Tripp, the other trade in Bandit. Um, Tripp, I put his needs at quarterback, potentially, um, especially now. Um, <laughs> excuse me, running back and tight end. 
Now, Tripp ended up having five picks in the first three rounds. He ended up, when all said and done, after the dust settled, the third pick in the first round, the eighth pick in the first round, second in the second round, third in the second round, and the third in the third round. That's a lot of picks. I think he did a phenomenal job. Tripp, I think you might have won this draft. Now, just with the picks, I think Eric did a phenomenal job getting Lamar, but you might have won it with the draft. Now, with the third pick in the first round, surefire, no-brainer. I think the best talented wide uh, running back in this draft, Jonathan Taylor. Dude is 5'10", 226, runs a 4'3", 940. Only downside to him is that he had 927 or 926 touches at the collegiate level. That's a lot of miles to be putting on those legs. That's four years in NFL time, in my opinion. So he's got a shorter shelf life than most of these running backs, in my opinion, but he's also got a higher potential. I think he could easily, if he gets the workload in Indy, I think he's a top 15 back day one. I think he has top five back potential. Great thing. I, I think it was the best choice here. There was no other choice you could go, especially after trading up to get him. Um, at the eighth pick in the first round, he goes Cam Akers, another player I know he's high on. You could have the best one-two combo if Taylor and Akers both get their positions at their respective teams. Two phenomenal backs, great teams, great offensive lines, and – well, I'm sorry. The Rams don't have an offensive line, so Akers might struggle, but he's used to that. He came from Florida State. They had the shittiest line I've ever seen. But I will say that I love the Akers pick here. You know I was thinking about him as well with my pick at the five. Um, I think he was the best available. I think he helps you immediately. I do think he takes the girly workload. Um, in the second round with the second pick, you go D, uh, Denzel Mims. I think this guy is going to be a target machine. With uh, Robbie Anderson leaving the Jets, it opens up well over 100 targets. He's going to be the best wide receiver in New York day one. I'm not a fan of Adam Gase, so I do knock him a little bit for that. But I do think this was the best pick. Of all, I think this guy's going to be a target machine. I think he gets the most targets of any rookie going into this year. <clears throat> the only other pick I could have seen you taking right here was Keyshawn Vaughn, which, guess what, you take him the next pick. At the third pick in the second round, you go a guy I was in love with, the guy I really wanted to fall to 1.4, and Keyshawn Vaughn. I actually thought about taking him at one uh, 2.1 just because I knew you were high on him as well, but I really wanted Burrow. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, I love the kid. I think he's the number one running back in tight end, uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, I think he's a raw talent. The only knock to him is he really doesn't pass block. Um, everyone knows that Brady's kind of a little bitch and he doesn't like getting touched. So that could be the downfall. If he doesn't start pass blocking for, um, Brady effectively in Tampa Bay, you may see Ronald Jones coming back in there. They did invest a little bit in Ronald Jones last year. So I know they like him, but they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn to be the number one running back for Tampa Bay. Those who watched him in college, <clears throat> the kid really does have a lot of ability. Now, we'll go back and uh, talk about your third pick now. Third pick, I mean, this was a great pick for you as well. I mean, you obviously made this pick after you had traded away Lamar. You pick up a guy in Jordan Love who was drafted to be the Aaron Rodgers replacement. They drafted him because they see a lot of Aaron Rodgers in him. That speaks high volumes of Jordan Love. Me, I didn't see it at the collegiate level. I thought he was a good quarterback. I think he's a project. You definitely need to taxi this guy for a year or two. But I will say that I do think he is a good quarterback in the future. He falls into a great position. Green Bay has always had some good quarterbacks. They do well with their quarterbacks. It's just an organization that likes to make quarterback a focal point of that offense, which means they drafted this kid for a reason. Um, I think after you traded Lamar, you had no other option than getting Jordan Love here. 
and it was a good pick. So I know I said I'd talk about the the big trades between Eric and Trip throughout this draft. They had two monster trades back to back. So let's just see after the dust has settled, after all the picks have been made, what it looks like. Eric, after this draft, comes out with Lamar Jackson, Zach Moss, LaVisca Chenault, and the second round pick in 2021. That's a phenomenal haul. Trip comes out with Gardner Minshew, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Denzel Mims, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Jordan Love. Honestly, I don't know who came out better. I mean, obviously the best pit player in this is Lamar Jackson as of right now. But I will say Tripp's combination of Taylor, Akers, and Vaughn, you could have three top 15 running backs as early as next year, as well as Gardner Minshew, who's viable this year, and in two years out, Jordan Love, who is the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. I kind of honestly am torn and think that Tripp might have actually came out on top of this one. It's always painful to lose a top five player like you do in Lamar Jackson, but you did amazing with the player, the, the picks you had from it. I think Tripp, hands down, won this draft. And I hadn't even finished it out, guys. So if that gives you any context. <clears throat> phenomenal, phenomenal trades, guys. I love seeing the action. It really made the draft fun for a lot of us. Next, we're going to move on to Reggie. Um, Dolphin for life, which I don't know if that's a good thing. I actually probably pissed him off when I took Tua. But um, Reggie's needs were running back, wide receiver, tight end, and basically just youth and health. I mean, Reggie had a great team. Just hit up against a the block there at the tail end of the season. Um he did not have his first round pick. He traded that in Lamar Jackson trade, which at the time I still didn't understand why you traded away Lamar Jackson and gave away first round picks. But um, I know you'd really like some of the players you wanted, the Hopkins and all those guys. But um, so your first pick was in the second round. Uh, you had the eighth pick in the second round. I thought it was a giant reach. You told me you were going to do something, make a big splash. It was going to be something spectacular. I was not expecting this. Um but I understand what you're doing there. Kendrick Bourne is a lot. He's got a lot of talent. I know that they really wanted him to succeed up there in San Francisco. My problem is I'm not a big fan of Jimmy G. And with them drafting Ayuk to go along Debo, I'm not sure how many targets are going to be out there. This is a run first team. Um, so I think Bourne could have been there in the third round, maybe fourth round for you. I understand what you did. I think your team had a lot of needs. Um, but then again, I mean, if you're going wide receiver here, Claypool might've been the only other option I could have seen. So I, could, I don't fault you for it. Your next pick was the eighth pick in the third round. I knew you were picking this guy. I even called it I actually right as I took Boston Scott, told you he was still on the board for you. Um, you know, he's the Connor handcuff, smart move on your behalf. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does out there. I think Pittsburgh's got four viable running backs, so I don't know what the time share will be, but you went Anthony McFarlane. Obviously, they picked him because they're not very sold on Jalen Samuels or Connor's health. Um, I think he was the best choice available for your team and your needs at this point. I had my eye on him, like I mentioned. Great pick for you. Not too bad for only having two picks in the first three rounds. <laughs> Next, we'll talk about Kelvin. I put needs. Uh, needs to pay attention. <laughs> Just kidding, Kelvin. I know you're a very busy man. Um, you're one of the main reasons that these uh, slow drafts are done so you can actually live your life and do what you need to for your family. Um, Kelvin, I put his only real needs really were running back depth, quarterback depth, and bench. I loved, loved Kelvin's picks. That gives you any inclination. He had the ninth pick in the first round, picked one of my favorite wide receivers. He's my favorite wide receiver, not of the big four, the Judy, the Lamb, the Rugs, the Rager. I think you had the best landing spot of any wide receiver. Coming out of this draft, <clears throat> kid Justice uh, Justin ja Jefferson, love this kid in college. 
lands in Minnesota. He's obviously going to go ahead and be the um, wide receiver two out there, one B in my opinion. Kid has future potential of being some of the best slot receiver, uh, being in the talks of some of the best slot receivers in the league. I love his ability. I can see him having like a Cooper Cup style career. Um, I think he gets all of Diggs' targets this year. So I think he's easily going to have over 100 targets. I think he catches over 80 balls instantly. I think he might have one of the most impressive rookie seasons for a wide receiver as long as he builds a rapport with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is also one of the most accurate quarterbacks. He's in a great position here. There is no downside to him. I think he's gone 1-9, and this is actually a, a fun fact. He has gone in the ninth pick of the first round in every one of these drafts. So whoever picked the ninth pick in the first round took Jefferson every single pick. <clears throat> the only other picks I could have seen here were Rager, maybe Ruggs. Um, in the second round, you went another player that I was huge on. A guy I was hoping would fall to me in that um, third round because I always intended on trading back up, um, A.J. Dillon. Um, I really love the path to playing time. For those who don't know, the coach in uh, Green Bay, LaFleur, came from Tennessee. What did he do in Tennessee? He was the reason they drafted um, Derrick Henry. When they drafted Derrick Henry in Tennessee, they had a guy named DeMarco Murray playing in his prime. What did they do to DeMarco Murray? They ran the brakes off this kid. They, ran, they rushed him until he couldn't move anymore. They wore him out and let him go on his final contract year. Why is that relevant? Uh, A.J. Dillon is Der uh, Derrick Henry's size, closest thing to it. Guy's over six foot, 250 pounds. Also runs extremely fast downhill for that size. He is compared to Derrick Henry and Brandon Jacobs. You know why it's also relevant? Aaron Jones, the running back that's in Green Bay right now, the guy who was just a touchdown machine last year, final year of his contract. I don't think they re-sign him. I think they let him go. I think LaFleur wants A.J. Dillon to be his Derrick Henry as early as 2021. This is a phenomenal pick. Now, with the ninth pick in the third round, you want another player I was big and high on. I was actually in trade talks with you, hoping you would trade me this pick because I was going to take the same player. It's uh, Van Jefferson. I love this guy. He was a deep sleeper of mine coming into this draft. Kid is six foot one, 200 pounds, um, came, comes, out of, comes out of Florida. He goes to a phenomenal landing spot. Uh, you know that the Rams love to divvy that ball up. They every year have three, or since this new regime's there, they've had three fantasy-relevant wide receivers. I mean, last year we were drafting um, Cooks, Woods, and Cup all in the top 15 of wide receivers. That says a lot. Um, I think he slides in. I think Reynolds, they, I know they love Reynolds out there. But I think Jefferson is a more complete wide receiver than Reynolds. I think he's a wide receiver three day one. Phenomenal pick. Great value here. The only other thing I could have seen you doing was maybe the Hamler or Edwards. Great draft by Kelvin, <clears throat> even if he wasn't around for a little bit of it. Um, next, we're going to move on to Dags. I put the only team needs here, maybe tight end, running back depth. I think Dags has a phenomenal team. Um, it's all the next three picks. Are, the next three guys I'm going to talk about are all luxury picks, guys. They don't have holes in their teams. They really don't. Um, Dags had the 10th pick in the first round. He went a phenomenal player, most athletic wide receiver, in my opinion, Ruggs. If you haven't seen his um, high school basketball films, go look at it. This kid can literally jump out of the gym. He's not much. He's like my size and he can jump high enough to where his shoulder is hitting the bottom of the basketball, um, the backboard. That's fucking amazing. This kid is awesome. He's speedy. I, I'm comparing him a lot to Tyreek Hill. The downside is I don't think Derek Carr is 
Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he can get the ball to him, and nor is Mariota. Additionally, he was the number three wide receiver at Alabama behind Judy and Smith. That might say a little bit about his overall ability to run routes. I think he's versatile. He's the kind of player that Gruden loves. They're going to get the best out of him. There's a reason they picked Ruggs ahead of Lamb and Judy, who were still on the board at the time. <clears throat> Phenomenal pick. It's And to be honest with you, it's a Dags pick. I think this guy fits Dags' team. Um, the only other pick I could have seen him going right here might have been Rager. In the 10th pick in the second round, this was the smartest pick that Dags could have done. Um, Dags obviously, obviously needed some uh, running back depth just to kind of support that back end. And hold on. Sorry, guys. I should have been a little more prepared for this. I'm actually pulling up his team right now. And Dags um, worked off of Derrick Henry last year. Derrick Henry is Dags's workhorse running back, in my opinion. I mean, Derrick Henry's a monster. So what do you do in your second round? You go out and pick up his handcuff and the guy who's going to alleviate some of that strain. Darrington Evans is that guy. He is drafted to be the backup to Derrick Henry, the heir apparent if there's anything goes wrong, and a change of pace back. Phenomenal pick by Dax here. Like I said, this is a luxury pick. This is what you do when you don't have a need. You pick what fits your team. This is a great pick by Dax. I couldn't have picked a better choice right here than Darrington Evans. In the third round, pick 10, he goes a player that, honestly, I love the player. I'm not big on the position um, or the situation he's in. I'll say that is uh, K.J. Hamler. K.J. Hamler is going to Denver. Yeah, obviously, they've drafted him in the second round after taking Judy in the first round. If you can't tell, Denver's going all in on offense this year. They brought out Melvin Gordon. They drafted Judy. They drafted Hamler. They even drafted Albert O as a backup wide um, tight end. They are going all in on that offense. They're expecting Drew Locke to be that quarterback. Drew Locke had aired out in college. You know, I remember his uh, sophomore year, they were talking about him being a phenomenal pro prospect eventually. I'm not sold on him, but they've given him the weapons to succeed. That being said, I think Hamler's going to hurt to find targets out there. They've got Sutton, Judy, Fant, Gordon, Lindsey, Freeman, and now Alberto. All of them are going to want targets. All of them are talented enough to get targets. How many does that leave Hamler? 70, 80 targets? That's not going to be enough, but I can understand what Dags did here. This is a huge upside play. If Hamler ends up being a target machine out there in the slot, this could be a steal of a draft. Um, the only other choice I possibly could have seen going right here might have been, I mean, going a tight end like a Komet, a, a Sternberger, something like that. <laughs> I think Dags did a phenomenal job uh, drafting. Next, we're going to talk about Derek. And guys, my voice is fading fast. If you can't tell, I'm struggling. Like I said, this is the third podcast. I'm almost through it, though. I appreciate you bearing with me. Um, next, we're talking about Derek. Derek fell just short of winning a title last year, came up against the the monster that was Eric Ward. Um, I said his only picks, uh, his only needs, honestly, is bench depth, if that, if that. I mean, it's all luxury picks for him as well. His team is all around complete. Every position he has on his team has youth and high upside. Um, in the 11th pick of the first round, he went Jalen Rager. I love the opportunity for Rager out in Philly. Philly obviously was hurting for uh, wide receiver weapons last year. I think Rager is DJX 2.0. I think he fits that team perfectly. I think he's a field stretcher. Teams will still put their number one on DJX when he's on the field. I think they turn the ball to Rager. They also got Goodwin, which is more speed. Um, he's going to fit well with Wentz. Derek also has Wentz on his team. This is a great stack. I think this was the best available pick for Derek in the first round. In the second round, Derek had two picks. Um, he had the 2.5 pick, 
which he got in a trade with Lawrence, as we talked about briefly earlier. He, he uh, doubled down on the wide receivers here. He went Michael Pittman. I love this pick as well. If you can't tell, if you guys remember Indianapolis 15 years ago, 12 years ago, somewhere in that range, they had a big armed quarterback at the time. Um, obviously, it wasn't big arm when you start comparing them to the guys now, but at the time, um, you know, big giant of a man and Peyton Manning. He was throwing to two phenomenal wide receivers, high talent wide receivers, and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Fast forward to now, what does Indy do? They have Philip Rivers there now, which actually is more like Peyton Manning now than anything. But they draft Eason, another big body quarterback. They drafted Paris Campbell last year. I love Paris Campbell. Think he's a phenomenal talent. He just needs to get healthy and get on the field. They drafted this guy here, Pittman, to be the Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne combo with um, Paris. Hilton's on his way out the door. Pittman will be the wide receiver one in Indy as soon as next year. I love this pick here. Only other thing I could have seen Derek doing was maybe go LaVisca Chenault and double down on the Jacksonville offense. Um, and the, with the 11th pick of the second round, another good pick here, Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, guys, is slated as a running back across most platforms, but if you don't realize, he's actually he was tested as a wide receiver at the combine. He will have dual eligibility very soon. If he actually starts seeing a lot of touches at the running back position with a wide receiver tag, that's huge for a team like Derek. You can slide this guy into wide. You could have, be starting four running backs without having to use a flex. Now, one thing I will say, or sorry, five running backs with the flex. Um, one thing I will say about him is he's always going to be in the field. Washington is going to have a hard time taking this kid off the field. Since he can play the slot, he can play every wide receiver position and running back. I think he's on the field for... 80, 95% of the snaps. Only downside is I hate the offense in Washington. I don't think it's a good quarterback. I don't think it's a good offensive scheme. I don't think they know what they're doing. Love this kid's talent. Love his versatility, though. Only other thing I could have seen him going here, because luxury picks, would have been Herbert, Love, maybe doing Hurts to back up Wentz. Like I said, they're all luxury picks at this point. Usually you like to see those luxury picks with a team that's got this much offensive talent going towards the quarterback position. But Kyler Murray and Wentz are younger quarterbacks, so you really don't need it too much. Um, next, I have your third pick in the eleventh. Uh, sorry, the eleventh pick in the third round. You went a guy that I was actually really, really uh, contemplating going myself, but swayed away from it last second. It's um, <laughs> Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards. I love what they're doing out there in Las Vegas. I really think they're tanking this year. I think they end up with Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. And if that's the case, they'll have one of those two guys with Josh Jacobs in the backfield, a wide receiving core of Ruggs, Edwards, Bowden, and potentially um, Terrell, if he's still there, to go along with Waller. Edwards, if you didn't get to see him play here at South Carolina, love this kid's talent. He's a big body guy who goes across the middle. He can get separation. He can play all three positions in the uh, wide receiver core. I think he's going to slide in perfectly in that slot. I see Bowden being a little bit more of a gimmick player for them out there. I think he's going to be the target hawk for whatever quarterback's throwing it. I actually see him getting a lot of play this year. Great pick here. Phenomenal draft for Derek. Like I said, they're all luxury picks. None of them could have gone wrong. I think he did well. Next, we move on to the champ. Um, I said needs. Uh, he needs to lose a little bit fucking more, to be honest with you. I thought <laughs> I hated seeing him win as much as he did. Uh, but I got to give props to Eric's again, man. I, I know I talked a little bit of trash about his his uh, hubris about his team. 
I think it was like week four or five in, in the season, and he just showed me wrong. This guy just was a buzzsaw at the end of the season, destroyed everybody. So I think he does need to lose a little bit more. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's really just bench depth, maybe a tight end for him. It's all luxury picks, just like Dags and um, Derek here. At the 12th pick of the first round, he went Brandon, uh, Brandon Ayuk. I love the talented player. I do. I am worried about Jimmy G's ability as a passer. I think Ayuk slides into that Sanders role, which we saw what Sanders was able to do with Jimmy G. Um, I do think that this is a run first team. I know they're still big on Kendrick Bourne. I know they're still big on Pettis. They just traded away Goodwin. So, I mean, obviously Ayuk is going to be that wide receiver two for them. They're big on Debo. Just how many touches is he going to get? Is this a talented, wasted player on a team that's a run first team? Who knows? I do like this pick here. High upside. If it hits, you're a genius. Um, in the second round, you double down on those wide receivers going to good positions or good teams. Um, it's uh, Clay, uh, Chase Claypool. I, ne- I didn't understand why Pittsburgh drafted Chase. That means in the last, this is the fourth wide receiver they've drafted in the last four years to go on with uh, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and Juju. So I, I think he's going to hurt to get target share out there, whether or not he can build a rapport quickly with Big Ben. We know Big Ben's going to air it out probably 600 times this year if his arm holds up. So the target share might be there. I like the kid. I think he's a solid player, solid piece for Pittsburgh and this team. Me personally, I was surprised that uh, Eric did not go. um, Actually, I was really shocked he didn't go Burrow first round, which I'm burying the lead there. Um, There's not a better luxury pick for your team. But in the second round, I was surprised you didn't go um, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, maybe Jalen Hurts as the luxury pick. Um, if A.J. Dillon would have fallen to you there, I think it was an ideal choice for you to back up uh, Aaron Jones with. I do like the Chase Claypool pick. A lot of people are higher on him than I am, so can't really say much about that. But I do think it's a good pick for you. Um, third round, last pick of the third round, the 12th pick, went LaMichael P. Ryan. I like the player. Watched him a lot in ho- uh, college. I don't think he really excelled at any one thing, but he was not really bad at anything either. Um, I don't think he was really needed on your team at the time. Like I said, you know, you had a, you probably could have gone a tight end, one of the rookie ones here, and let them progress. Um, but again, it's all luxury picks. But my notes I put right here was uh, he's going to have a hard time cracking your lineup unless Le'Veon Bell gets moved or hurt. Um, outside of that, I thought you had more draft capital investment that you could have done with Cole Komet, Jay Sternberger, Adam Troutman, you know, maybe even Blake Jarwin, um, one of these tight ends. You, you benefited off Higby last year, but if you look back at Higby's season, Higby only had five good games. They all happened at the end of the season. They were all monster games, but he only had five good games. That was also when Brandon Cooks was hurt with the concussions issues. Maybe they just need another target. Maybe Higby comes out and is a monster again this year, and you have a steal of a tight end that you got for free. Um, but your other tight end is Njoku. I think Njoku gets traded before the season starts. I think he might be your starting tight end going into the season. I can see Njoku ending up on a team that loves the talent, just knows he was underutilized in Cleveland. There's got to be something going on with him mentally for him not to get playing time, but I love his talent. Overall, I think you did a phenomenal draft. I hope you don't win the title again this year, but if you do, you do earn it because your team is phenomenal. I do appreciate everybody for bearing with me during this. I know I've coughed a little bit. I know my voice is very scratchy. I know I mumbled a little bit here and there, but Glad to be over with this podcast. Hopefully I can release a few more of these. Hopefully I can get these trophies out. Again, those guys, those kind of things are going to come with team participation and ownership participation in the league. 
Right now, we've only, I mean, the draft's going, so obviously there's a lot more participation. But during the offseason leading up to the draft, there was really only four or five people that were even responding to anything about this league. So just take that into, in, into consideration when it comes to whether or not you guys want to see trophies or see these podcasts. If y'all don't want to see the podcast, if it doesn't have much flow, you know, I, this could be the last one. Who knows? But I'm hoping to be able to do a lot more of these for you guys moving forward. I'm hoping to bring back a lot of the old power rankings and do a lot of good stuff I have coming out. I'm really excited about this um, website I'm building. But again, guys, that's another investment I'll be taking on myself. If you don't know, I'm buying these trophies myself. They're league trophies. Like I said, I've already spent $600 on two trophies for or two trophies each for two leagues. You know, I'd have to win a league just to break even on something I'll never see unless I win a title, you know. So just take that into consideration when you understand how much investment I'm putting into these leagues. Again, you're not re- you're not required to invest more than you are mentally or personal time into these leagues, but just take that into consideration about what I do. Um, that's all I got, guys. Hope you guys have a great draft. Right now, we got 41 minutes left on Lawrence's pick in the fifth round. Looks like it might be an auto at this point. Um, hopefully, I can get a hold of him and get him drafting. That might be the third auto in a row. But um, great draft, guys. Really look forward to seeing this season. Any questions, comments, concerns, you know where to reach me.